we thank you again for the privilege of being in your house this morning. And we just thank you for all those who have chosen to come out. And thank you for the visitors we have. We pray, Lord, that you would just bless their time here as well. And now, Lord, we uh, offer up the blessings of the, the tithes and offerings to you, Lord. We pray that you would just use these offerings for the upbuilding of thy kingdom. May you bless the, the gift and the giver. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. As we go into the further part of the service today, Mac's message, and then the Lord's Supper, let's pray that God will open our eyes of your heart so that you can see Jesus face to face. Stand with us and we sing, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Amen. I invite you to the altar for prayer at this time if you would like to come. Uh, Brother Keith Carnes will be coming to lead us this morning.
I don't need to tell you, but I always want to tell you that we really need to be praying for our government officials. That God would speak to their heart so they will know what to do and how to do. We need to pray for those families of those soldiers that were innocently killed. I can't imagine losing a child in war. We need to continue to pray for our military, our law enforcement, our utility keepers, our farmers, our first responders, our fire and rescue people, our doctors, our nurses, our school teachers, our bus drivers, our principals, uh, uh, the students. Many of them are getting the COVID. We just need to be praying. We need to pray for our music committee and the people of Afghanistan. I, I can't imagine them, let alone the Americans that seemingly are being left behind. We need to continue to pray for Jada Fisher, Darlene Butts, Judy Davis, Kimberly Humphrey, Carter Brown, uh, Kinsley Shepard, Sonny Houston, Tim Copeland, Carrie Rogers, Ms. Francis Hart, Donna Boucher, Buford Jennings, Janice Singletary, the family of uh, Clara Montgomery. This is uh, Debbie Smith's mother um, has passed away. We need to pray for that family. And also, this morning, as I was writing little notes and signing the children's Bibles, I just want to thank you parents for allowing these precious children to be baptized. You know, I've been doing this since 1976, and I have run up on parents who said, no, I'm not going to let them do that. They're not old enough. How old is old enough? If a child says, I want to be saved, I want Jesus in my heart, what would you tell them? Also, I'm excited about the adults that are going to be baptized today. So pray for that service. And please, let's not get in a hurry today. You know, it's God's day. His timing's always right. And I also want you to pray for my son in the ministry, Brother Mac, as he leads our service today. Uh, I'm so proud and so excited uh, for him. So, if you would like to join hands with someone, that's okay. And if you don't want to, uh, that's okay also. Uh, Brother Keith, you come and lead us this morning. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come humbling ourselves before you this morning, Lord, with all these different prayer requests. We know you hear all of them, Lord, and you tell us just to lay them down at your feet, Lord, and let your will be done. And just pray, Lord, that you'll give us the strength to lay these prayers down to you, Lord. I pray that you'll be with the ones, that's the families that lost their lives. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the people in the wake of this storm that's hitting down on the coast. I'll just lift those up to you and all the workers that will be having to head down that way, Lord. I just lift this up to you, our country, in a special way, Lord. Uh, we need your help. We need you now. We just pray that your will be done in this world. Be with our world leaders, Lord, and the decisions that they make. Open up their minds and hearts to look to you for guidance and direction, Lord, because you know all things, and we appreciate that. I come thanking you for all the many blessings you've bestowed upon us, Lord. Just pray that you'll go with us throughout this week, Lord, and guide us and direct us, Lord, and open up our hearts to be able to talk to someone about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. situations 
that tug of war at me. All day long I struggle for the answers that I need. But then I come into His presence and all my questions become clear. And for that sacred moment, no doubts can interfere in the Yeah. 
Well, I'll go ahead and apologize now. For those of you that don't know, that's my bride. Um, it's not going to get any better than that. All right. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, you can go ahead and turn to Second Samuel chapter nine, but I can promise you, it's not going to get much better than that. Um, whew. And I've heard that song quite a bit this week. Um, any of you that that uh, sing or have a spouse that sings, well, I don't know how you operate. I know how mine operates. Um, they just don't get up here and sing. It takes practice. Um, even if it is a song that you know by heart, it takes practice. I think that's the beauty in Scripture, too. We may know it, but guess what? You've got to be reminded of it every single day. Every single day. And so, obviously, you can see that it is before me, before you, uh, the, the Lord's table. And we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper uh, at the end of service. Uh, so I want to invite you this morning to the table. And let's sit a while. Let's sit a while. Second Samuel chapter nine. We're not going to read the entire verse or the entire uh, thirteen verses, Cassie. I'll give you just a second. Uh, here's what I want to do: as you guys are standing, Cassie, I want to read verse three. Okay, we're going to read verse three in Second Samuel chapter nine, and then we're going to break down the thirteen verses of Second Samuel chapter nine together. Second Samuel chapter nine. Verse 3, so the king asked, is there anyone left of Saul's family I can show the kindness of God to? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the day, for the opportunity. What an incredible worship experience we've already had. Lord, as we come and we sit at your feet for the preaching of your word, partaking of the Lord's Supper. Lord, I pray that your presence would be felt and known in this place today. And Father, I pray more than anything else that your will and only your will would be accomplished in this time together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we think about that theme, and you should have, I believe in your bulletin, uh, a little insert there that you can follow along, uh, maybe on the back there, maybe not. Okay, all right. You do have one. I'm sorry, I didn't look to see if there was one. There is one. So you've got a little insert there that you can follow along with me if you would like. It's completely up to you, something you can take with you for the rest of the week and kind of smoke over and chew on a little bit, but... I want to invite you to the table this morning. Um, and I've got to be honest, as I thought about the table, I thought about the many different tables that I've had the opportunity to sit around. I want you to think about the tables that you've been able to sit around over the course of your life. Some of you may be thinking about your childhood table. Some of you may be thinking about the table at your grandmother's house. In fact, this morning I, I just I went and pulled up a video that Sandra had taken several years ago of our youngest Grady when he was maybe two at her granny's house. And it was just it's what what you did on Saturdays and Sundays at dinner time. You went to Granny's house and ate. And so she had taken Grady over at some point, and again he was one and a half, two years old, and he was standing in the chair, and Granny Nell was standing across from him, and she was, he was trying to communicate to her, tell her what his name is, Grady Parks Campbell, and it's about a 55-second video, and it's absolutely hilarious. But the table, I've sat across and at many, many tables. In fact, just two weeks ago, I told somebody I don't know that I can sit at another table this week. During the week, breakfast, lunch, you name it, I'm meeting with somebody around the table. And on the weekends, my family, all they want to do is because they've had school lunch all week, they want to go out. And I go, I don't want to go out. 
going out too many times. It's every single day I've sat at a ton of tables. I can't recall the diff, you know, all the conversations that I've had around these tables. Some good. Some deep conversations. Some insightful conversations. Some convicting conversations. Some challenging conversations I've had around some of these tables. I couldn't help but to think of another table, a childhood table. My papa's gone now, but uh, when he moved from Texas back home, family would gather at his house for different events, Thanksgiving, Christmas, etc., in the basement of his house. And I'll never forget the first family gathering we had at his house, in his basement, we walk in to tables made of plywood and tires. No joke. He had tires stacked up on top of each other and set plywood down on top of the tires. And that was our tables. And it was that way for years, for as long as I could remember. That was the tables that we had family meals on. But this morning, I want to invite you to a different table. The most special table. The most significant table that I've ever been invited to in my entire life. And that's the table of the Lord. You heard a song Cassie played for you. It's by Zach Williams. As you were coming in, as service was getting ready to get kicked off and, and rolling. But it's called To the Table. And in that song, he emphasizes the fact that there's a seat for you. There's a seat for me. So this morning, I want to invite you to the table. And I want to draw your attention to some Old Testament prophecy that we see fulfilled in the New Testament through the life of Jesus. So one of the most significant stories, I think, of all the Old Testament. It resonates with me for some reason in, in, in just an incredible way. And it's the story of a man who has it all together. A man who has all the power all the prestige, all the success that he could ever want in his entire life, that being King David. And in the midst of of this success, in the midst of his rule and reign as king over the nation of Israel, something happens in his life. A moment in his life where the Lord speaks and impresses upon his heart, hey, There's something left to be done. And we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And so I'm going to read these verses as you kind of follow along. And there's three points that I'm going to point out to you that you're going to be able to follow along in your outline. So King David asks, Is there anyone remaining from Saul's family I can show kindness to because of Jonathan? Jonathan being Saul's son. Now picture this. You've got to go back to 1 Samuel Remember David killing Goliath? Remember that story? Well, guess who was looking on? Guess who was watching? Saul's son, Jonathan. And guess what? Like any other young man who sees another young man kill a giant with his own weapons, cut his head off with his own sword, kills him with a rock and a sling, guess what? Jonathan is wild. And in 1 Samuel, it goes on to talk about how Jonathan and David began to to bond. They had a bond and a a friendship. So much so that they went on and they made a pact, a promise with one another. That they would look after one another. And so David, in in, in the prime of his rule and reign, sitting there having it all, goes, wait a minute. Is there someone that I can show kindness to because of Jonathan? So there was a servant of Saul's family named Ziba. They summoned him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, I'm your servant. So the king asked, Is there anyone left of Saul's family I can show kindness, the kindness of God to? And Ziba said to the king, There is still Jonathan's son who is lame in both feet. You've got to flip back just a few chapters in 2 Samuel. 
And you'll read that story of how Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, became lame in both feet. So the king asked him, where is he? Ziba answered the king, you'll find him in Lodabar. Lodabar was a place where misfits and outcasts went. And that's where Mephibosheth could be found. So the king had the king David said to him said bring him to me from the house of Micah son of Amiel in Lodabar. So you see he didn't even have his own place to stay. He was living with someone. So in verse 6 Mephibosheth son of Jonathan son of Saul came to David. He bowed down to the ground and paid homage. And David said Mephibosheth I'm your servant, he replied. Verse 7 don't be afraid. David said to him, since I intend to show you kindness because of your father, Jonathan. Watch this. I will restore to you all your grandfather Saul's fields. And you will always eat meals at my table. Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and he said, What is your servant that you take interest in a dead dog like me? So as you see this story unfolding, David, simply put, is inviting Mephibosheth to sit and eat at his table. So i got three things I want to point out to you. You're going to be able to follow along. The first one being the invitation. There's the invitation. Everyone loves an invitation to a certain extent, right? There are many types of invitations. There are birthday invitations. There are graduation invitations. There are wedding invitations. There are anniversary invitations. Go on and on and on and on, right? Many, many different types of invitations. We even receive invitations sometimes to things that we don't want to go to. But we receive invitations to those anyway. This morning I want to invite you to the table. The table where Jesus is. I want to invite you to the table where there's room for me and you. There's a seat for me and you. And you know what? This table and this invitation, it's not based on what you know. It's not based on what you have or don't have. This invitation is based on who you know. And who sent the invitation. It's the greatest invitation that's ever been sent. We've gotten some pretty invitations in the past. It always blows my mind some of the invitations that we get. And how well they're written. Anybody that knows me. And knows me well. Knows that I don't write well. You can see my handwriting. No you can't but. That's my handwriting. You don't know what it says, but I know what it says, and that's all that matters. I've got two people that that know me well, Sandra, and then Melanie's my administrative assistant, and I'm telling you, their handwriting is incredible. So guess what? I don't write anything. They do. Because they do it better than I do. But we, we, we get all kinds of invitations, beautiful invitations. The prettiest invitation we've ever gotten, though, is this invitation right here. Come to the table. David, in all of his success, have no idea exactly where David is in this moment. I have an idea in my mind. But scripture doesn't clearly tell us exactly where he's at, where he's seated, where he's standing. But I have to picture in my mind, David may be out on a balcony somewhere overlooking the countryside that he is ruling and reigning over. And at some point, it dawns on him, it occurs to him, it hits him, wait a minute. I made this this pact, this promise with Jonathan. You see, it was the, 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 the reigning king or the ruling king's duty to take out the former king's family, 
and anyone that would cause conflict to their rule and reign. But David must have known something was missing. There was still somebody in Jonathan's family that he could show kindness to. And so he extends an invitation. You you understand how odd that is? Do you understand how uncommon that is for a, a present king to extend an invitation to a family member of the former king? I want you to connect this dot. The invitation that we've received, guess what? We don't deserve. We don't deserve. Because of our sinful nature, we don't deserve the invitation that the Lord has extended to us. And yet because of Jesus, we receive that invitation. Secondly, not only is there the invitation, there's the preparation. Usually the first thought that crosses most ladies' minds, I'm not going to say men, most ladies' minds when an invitation is received is what? What am I going to wear? Right? Or what am I going to bring? Those are the two questions that most ask. For Sandra, most of the time it is, what am I going to wear? And I need something new to wear. All right? Side note, chase a rabbit here for a second. Y'all know how many suits I own? One. I own one suit. I promise you, every time Kenny asks me to preach, I do not go, oh, I got to go buy a new suit. I got to have something new to wear. I promise you that does not happen. All right? One. That's it. One. But you know, that's the beauty of this invitation. That's the beauty of the preparation. The preparation God's already taken care of on our behalf. It's done. The only thing left, watch this, the only thing left for you and I to bring is our heart. That's it. That's it. I love good food as much as anybody. All right? Kenny's fried chicken. I I like chicken, okay? I love good food just as much as anybody. But guess what? This invitation to the Lord's table requires nothing but our heart. That's it. Our heart. So in that invitation and preparation, there's one final thing. That's the celebration. You see, in the preparation, David brings Mephibosheth to him. Mephibosheth is found in a place where nobody wants to be. He's lame in both feet. He feels like he has nothing to contribute to society. And so he goes to this place called Lodabar. And David has him brought from there to him. I want you to, I didn't didn't say this in talking about the preparation, but I, I don't want you to miss this. Because as David brings Mephibosheth to him, Understand this, that Mephibosheth did nothing, did nothing on his own account to stand before David. You see, the preparation for Mephibosheth had already been done long before he was ever thought of or conceived. And the bond and the pact that David and Jonathan made with one another. Do you understand the preparation for you and I has already been made? It was made before you and I were ever thought of or conceived. And with that, there's the celebration. Mephibosheth felt like he had no part and did not even belong in the presence of David. Even acknowledges himself as a dead dog, worthless, useless, useless. And yet, David had him brought before him. To share with him that beyond, from this point on, he would eat at King David's table. You know, we go to all sorts of different events, don't we? 
Again, birthdays, graduations, weddings, anniversaries, you name it. We go to them. And we have a good time. Great celebration. But I want you to think about it. Because in those celebrations, they only last for a moment. There's a lot of work leading up to those celebrations and the planning and preparing. And yet they only last for a moment. This celebration we're talking about, sitting at the Lord's table, this celebration lasts for eternity. I want you to be at that table. I want to be at that table with you. The Lord Jesus wants you to be at that table. He expresses that in Luke as he's talking to the disciples. He says, I want you to take and I want you to eat and I want you to drink because I want you to be at my table in my kingdom. That's what it's all about. So as we kind of wrap up and, and transition into the Lord's Supper, I want to share something with you. God loves you. And I don't know where you're at, I don't know where you stand, but all I know how to do is, is to simply just share with you the gospel message in the, in the simplest form that I know how. And that's the fact that God loves you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter the fear, the doubt, the worry, any of that, God still loves you. And you may wonder, well, what, what's, what's keeping me apart? What's, what's separating me? Sin. Sin separates us from the heart of God. But here's the beauty in that story. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. He died for you. You see, the preparation's already been made. God, long before you and I ever came along, made that preparation. And he set it right. And providing his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and I. Even if you or I were the only people living on planet earth, guess what? Jesus would still die on the cross. For your sins and mine. All he needs is man's heart. All he desires is your heart. And so the only question that you and I have to wrestle with when it comes to knowing, serving, and living for Jesus is what will you do with Jesus? Will you accept his free gift of salvation and come and eat at his table in his kingdom? Or will you not? You see, David tells Mephibosheth, I'm not only just going to restore everything that was your father's and your grandfather's, I'm going to do you even better. You look at verse 13. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. Always. 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 It's not just for a moment. It's not just for a few meals. Always. I want to invite you to that table this morning. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper this morning, our deacons are going to come forward and they're going to prepare the table and get ready for us to partake in the Lord's Supper together.
as we observe the Lord's Supper this morning, I want you to just take a moment and think about why do we observe the Lord's Supper? What's the purpose? What's the point? I just thought there are many reasons why we observe the Lord's Supper together. One's to, to honor Scripture. It's to honor the Lord Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for you and I. Another reason is simply to reflect. Reflect on the life that we have through him because of his sacrifice. Another reason is to confess. To make sure our our heart is pure and right in observing the Lord's Supper. Another reason is simply to celebrate all that the Lord is doing in and through us because without him, we're nothing. So he sat with his disciples on the night that he was going to be betrayed around the table. And he said this. He took the bread. He gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Danny, would you pray for us? Father, we thank you for this time. How solemn it is, Lord. We recognize the sacrifice that was made. Not only for me, Lord, but for all of us. All mankind. Your love is so great that you gave your only begotten Son. We thank you for the resurrection, and that's why we celebrate today. Again, just bless this time. In Christ's name, amen.
So the Bible says that in the same way, he took the cup after supper. He spoke to the disciples and he said, this is the cup. In this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Would you pray for us, Dean? Our most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. We thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood for my sins and washing them all away. It would have only taken one drop, but you shed it all for the all the world. God, we ask you to forgive us for our many sins and may we be ever mindful of other people out here in the world that don't know you. Help us to witness to them so that they can see your loving kindness and your grace and mercy and forgiveness. Thank you for this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to conclude this morning just a little bit different. Um, Obviously, you can see in the bulletin if you have one. uh, A little bit different than the way it has been in the past. But I pray, uh, hope and pray that this morning uh, was special for you as it was for me as we observe the Lord's Supper together. Uh, And maybe uh, we think a little bit differently about the Lord's Supper and the table and the conversations that we have around those tables each and every day. As we have an opportunity each and every day to invite someone to sit with us. Think about that. Think about the opportunities that you and I have every single day to invite a family member, a co-worker, whoever it may be, a stranger, a complete stranger, to sit at the table where Jesus is. That's special. And that's not just a convenience. That's a call on every Christian's life. That's a call. There's a difference. That's a call. Look for those opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities. I'm going to turn it over to Dave now uh, to, to wrap up our service this morning. As we had previously announced, um, we have a called conference today to take care of several matters of business for the church, and then we'll be dismissed. I could uh, like to have the ushers pass out the ballots for the deacon elections now. Um, Those candidates' names were uh, shared with you last week. Um, If you would, please mark three of those names, up to three. Do not mark all all four.